Welcome back to the Adventist City Ministries podcast. My name is Andrew. And I'm Jeff. And I'm Bob. Well, I hope you're doing well today. We are back here. We're going to be talking about Daniel today and really this prophetic overview of the rest of Daniel because, you know, we've gone through the stories, tales about how Daniel and his, and his Hebrew friends grew up in captivity and they went through their, their struggles and they went through uh, their, the trials of, of being away from all of their family and their people. We're going to get into the prophetic part. So today we're going to do like this general overview and look at the structure of the rest of the book of Daniel. So let's get started. Jeff, can you have a word of prayer with us? Sure. Father God, we pray that as we open your word today, that you would be with us, that we would have spiritual understanding concerning these important things. And most of all, help us to see you and who you are. I pray and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. So where are we going to start, Bob? Well, I, I, I think that, um, as you mentioned, we... we uh, been through now the first six chapters of different stories um, about Daniel's life, and they're stories that have revealed to us um, not only the trials and tribulations of, of, of their captivity, as you've mentioned, but also that have revealed to us certain truths about God and, and his concern for all people, the, the, the story of Nebuchadnezzar's conversion and, and um, uh, the way that he, he revealed that he's an omnipotent God, an all-powerful God, a God who knows things and can see things and can take care of his people. Um, Now we're going to be looking in the next, uh, the second half of of the book of Daniel, which, by the way, is not chronological. We're going to actually be going back in time here. Right. It kind of skips around and puts some pieces earlier than the other, and then we kind of scratch our heads like, why is this here? But really, it's you have to kind of put them in order in order to get the... Right. Well, well, the, the 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 chapters themselves are chronological, but they don't. They're not chronological in in uh, relationship to um, the rest of the the, the story part. Right. That's the story parts ends with with Daniel in the lion's den in the in the time of the Medes and Persians. Mm-hmm. But we're going to go back here and look at a, a story that begins way back uh, with Belshazzar just coming into uh, into power and the. There's a reason for this to, mm-hmm. to look at it in, in, in that context. I think that um, is helpful for us to take a kind of a big glimpse because really these last five chapters, anyway, in my mind, I don't know what, what you guys think, are, 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 are a, a, almost a story in and of itself. It's, it's a, as we'll see, Daniel is going to wrestle to understand uh, the things that are being revealed to him. And um, as we go through chapter by chapter, we'll see that, that it can, Truth continues to be, un- be unfolded. Yeah, I, I think there's a lot to, to be seen here, but there's uh, also just some grand themes that we should consider. Maybe even one of them that is, is interesting is, is that up to now, everything's kind of been in third person, and now it moves to first person. And it's, this is Daniel's experience and what's going on. And, uh, and he's, he's quite horrified about it in some places and doesn't understand it. And, uh, and uh, we should take that, you know, as part of our, you know, what we're doing here, we should, we should understand that Daniel had a hard time with this and, and other people have a hard time with this and, and we could have a hard time with this as well. In other words, it's, uh, this is prophecy. It's difficult to understand, but God willing, we can see the big points that God's trying to make. So we'll come back 
after we kind of look at a big overview and, and maybe and then touch on each of uh, of these dreams and visions in, independently. But, but for today, what we'd like to do, and I guess if you're listening along, you might want to grab a Bible and uh, and follow along with us. But what we'd like to do is kind of just point out some things that from starting with Daniel chapter seven, going all the way to the end that that uh, reveal kind of Daniel's experience with this. Excellent. So what's the, what's the big theme of these last five chapters then? Daniel 7 through 12. Well, let, let's, let's look, look at chapter 7, and, and for, I guess, if, if you have a, a little bit of familiarity with it, it's, it's kind of almost um, a rehash of Nebuchadnezzar's dream initially. Remember, Nebuchadnezzar had that dream back in chapter 2, um, and remember what that dream was about? Right, the, the image with the man made out of various metals, and then finally the stone coming out uh, made without hands and crushing it into dust, and then it blows away, and then God sets up his kingdom. Right, so it's kind of an epic, an epic uh, dream that has, that has a grand theme to it, that there's these two competing powers, two competing things in, in this world, kingdom of God. The other thing is the kingdom that Satan would have set up. And in the end, um, Nebuchadnezzar's dream revealed that God's kingdom is going to, is going to come and be, and be victorious. Right. So, so Daniel's dream in chapter seven kind of starts out as a, as a repetition of that dream, but something different happens, right? Yeah. There's an expansion, certainly it would seem. Yeah. And, and it's that, it's that part of it that, in particular that, that Daniel has a lot of concern with. And that expansion um, is uh, in relation to, to this fourth power that arises. In, in Nebuchadnezzar's dream, that fourth power was the, you know, the legs of, of iron. And then in, in Daniel's dream, it's this, this beast that has no description. And out of that arises another power that is, is unique and what particularly concerns Daniel is that this, this power that arises out of that, that fourth kingdom enters into conflict with what he calls the saints of the Most High. So let me ask this question. What, if, if you're Daniel now sitting in, in Babylon, getting close to the end of the 70 years, because right. as, as we make note here, it's the first year of Belshazzar. So... So it's still a few years before that's going to end. And he has this dream. What's, what do you suppose his main concern is with this dream? Well, if this is all supposed to happen to the Hebrew Israelite people, okay, then, you know, this is a, this is a lot to happen in that time. Like, how, how is this all going to fit in? Right. For one thing, the timing issue seems to be a, a, a challenge. Yeah, there's actually... A- a timing prophecy or a prophetic number that's kind of thrown out there too. And it comes up again later. And so this has to be pretty confusing to Daniel. Right. And, and in his mind, when he says something in conflict with the saints of the most high, who, who do you suppose he's thinking about? I think he's thinking about the Jews. He's yeah. thinking about his people. Yeah. Right. So, so that's why in, in this chapter, he, he asks for clarification. There's, there's some that's given to him, but if if we go to the end of the chapter in in, in uh, verse twenty nine, we, we go he, you know, after he's had some some explanation. You see that he he really doesn't understand because he says this is the end of the account. As for me, Daniel, my thoughts greatly troubled me, 
and my countenance changed, but I kept the matter in my heart. So that's, that's where Daniel ends up at the end of this, <laughs> this first vision. Troubled and, and with, without understanding really what and why this is, this is going on. And, and yet, there's an assurance. In, in, in the midst of it, there's an assurance that's given, you know, that the, you know, that the courts will be seated and, you know, and the kingdom and dominion and, and the greatness under the, the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High. So in other words, even though it's troubling, he knows trouble is coming. He knows that God is sovereign, and in the end, it's going to be okay. Correct. So the end matches up with, with Nebuch- right. Nebuchadnezzar's dream. It's just that there's, there's this, this conflict that's going to, be, going to be engaged in that he's that, so he, that is troubling to him. So, he, I mean, he's obvious, he has cognitive dissonance. Sure. Because of what he thought through Ezekiel's prophecy and... Jeremiah's. Or Jeremiah's, excuse me, his prophecy is it's changed somehow. Yeah. At least in his thinking it's changed. And that that dissonance actually increases then in the in the next chapter. Right. In chapter eight. Because as we as we go to chapter eight, now this is two years later, um, and Daniel has another vision. This time instead of these these beasts coming out of the sea, it's a, a ram and a he goat. And there's some in, there's there's some explanation of as to who that is in that chapter, but but the thing now that really gets him here is that in the midst of of uh, this unfolding of a, a vision, there, there's this time frame that comes into into play. It's he hears like a vision inside of a vision, almost. The uh, he hears these two individuals speaking about. 2300 days having to elapse until the sanctuary can be cleansed. So from Daniel's perspective, the cleansing of the sanctuary is something he's looking forward to in a near immediate future because the, the, the 70 years is almost expired and he's hoping his people will return and uh, the temple can be rebuilt and, and, and you know, all those things can happen and God will restore the, the kingdom. So, so this time frame now adds to that dissonance of, uh, in Daniel's mind as to, you know, what exactly is God doing here? And the thing is, yet he doesn't, he still doesn't understand what all this means. He's, he's really just doing guesswork at, I mean, to the point where he just straight up gets sick and right. falls over. <clears throat> and one of the things that we'll look at later when we look at this more um, specifically is that he actually uses two different words for the, that, that are translated as vision in this chapter. To, to kind of delineate between the vision of the, of the goat and, and the ram and stuff, and then this, this, this other part that's in between. Right. And so as he's getting to the end of this, uh, again, he, there's instruction given. That specifically now it tells us it's Gabriel. The, the, the angel Gabriel comes to help with instruction, help Daniel understand what's going on. It, it, it's not just Daniel that's curious about you know the, the the time frame here and we see it more than once it's this it says in chapter eight that a holy one is asking how long and it's a holy one asking how long in chapter 12 as well there so heaven is interested i guess we could say it that way the angels are also looking on and saying well how long is this going to go on right you know and so i i can relate to daniel's you know being troubled and not understanding 
Right. And, and, and like Andrew said, he's, he's so troubled this time that when he hears in verse 26, it says, and the visions of the evenings and the mornings, that's that, that 2300 part. He says, that's true. And it says he faints. It's so, it's so upsetting to him that he actually faints. And so, you know, poor Gabriel, he can't com- complete his, uh, his, his task of, uh, of explaining to Daniel what's going on. And, he, and in verse 27, I, Daniel, fainted and was sick for days. And afterwards, I arose and went about the king's business. And I was astonished by the, the, the vision that, that he's meaning the vision of the, the evenings and mornings, so the 23 mm-hmm. days. But no one understood it. Now, it's interesting here that in, in, at the end of chapter 7, he says, I, I told no one. But apparently what's happening here is he's, he's trying, he's actually going, maybe he's pulling in his, his, uh, yeah. his friends, Shadrach, what Meshach, and Abednego and saying, hey, help me, I can't, I don't get this. Yeah, they probably said, hey, Daniel, you're the one that understands these things. <laughs> this is your, yeah, like, your vision, We called you. <laughs> Remember all those times we called you in or that you yeah. got called in? Well, one, one thing that I'm getting from all of this is that, you know, even today when we look at scripture, at prophecy, at these types of of passages, we don't have to feel like we have to figure out and know everything, but we can trust that God has understanding in his own time, you know, that we can, that we can take it it slow and that we don't have to have all the answers right up front, but we can just kind of wait on God for these things. Well, I think that's the point that, you know, Jeff was, was making that like in, 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 in all this, we still know what the end is, right? It doesn't change. Yeah. And that's, and that's what we should take comfort in. Right. That God, God knows what the end is and he has a plan to get us there. And, uh, and that's always how it's been from, you know, the, the time that sin set in to even now that God has always had a plan. That's why the first part of the book of Daniel is important because it, it has painted that picture for us. That God is this sovereign God who's not taken by surprise uh, the, uh, with the things that, uh, evolve in in this this world of sin it doesn't it doesn't surprise him that he that he is in his foresight he has been able to navigate a path for us through it so that we can be with him forever yeah we should take into consideration too kind of the in the big picture of things what's happening here we see a picture like if we go back to the image we see a picture of god's kingdom growing up in the time of those other kingdoms, right? That's, that's in what the scriptures say. And so this really is a picture of, you know, a, 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 a not seismic not the right word, but a large, a great controversy. Panoramic. You know, it's a, a between good and evil, but it's really good amongst evil. That's the plight of man. Like, you know, we see, a small group of people, Daniel and his friends in Babylon, but it's always seems like, you know, they're the, on the struggling end of this. And mm-hmm. I think God comes along and he sends these angels just to encourage Daniel and say, Hey, listen, you know, here's the end of it all. Right. You know, the kingdom will prevail forever and ever. But I, I want to relate to that a little bit too. And that is, is, is I'm sure that there's people who are wondering you know, you know, why, 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 why is it this way? Why does, why is the world look like it's winning? Right. Or, or, or falling apart. Or you falling know. apart. Right. There's <laughs> chaos and all the kinds of viruses. Commotion. And <laughs> yeah, some people think that we're going to end up in a great day of 
you know, of the Christian experience before it all. But, you know, Daniel kind of says at the end of, the, of all of this that it's when the power of God's people is crushed that it kind of wraps up. And, yeah. and, and if, you're, if you study the word of God, you realize that's, that's true in more than Daniel that, 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 that is taught. Yeah. And so we have to hang on to the hope of Jesus coming. Right. Only, the, only the, fragrance, the fragrant things can be crushed in order to be. That's right. Behold. Now, the, the evidence that we're kind of like on, let me say, on the right track here of Daniel's actually having this struggle is not only because he says it, but we find in, in, in the beginning of chapter 9 that he's actually, and, and, and by the way, this is, a, this, is a good, this is a good principle for all of us to, to uh, adapt as a you know, principle of our lives. Daniel is looking for understanding, so where does he go? He goes to the writings of Jeremiah. He goes to the scripture. Literally, he's searching the word here. So he says, uh, in the first year of Darius, now, now we've moved along again uh, after the fall of Babylon. He's, he's says, I understood by the books the number of years specified by the word of God given through Jeremiah. So he's, he's engaged in... And it's, he's not just like left us out there waiting for inspiration to, to tell him. He's gone to the word of God to search for understanding. And I, think that's a, that's, I think that's an important lesson for us when we don't understand things, that God has given us a, um, something that can often uh, give us the correct perspective. Yeah, it, um, the, the other thing is, too, is, is we should not take for granted here is, is that, or take lightly, I should say, is that the power has changed. Correct. As well, and that's an affirmation of what Daniel has been has received up to this point in time. In other words, things are happening the way he said they would happen, or you know, and we've moved from Babylon now to Medo Persia, and so right. And he's actually had that experience where he read the handwriting on the ro- on the wall, right, and said, you know, hey, please keep your keep your purple robes and stuff because the the night's going to be a short one for you, <laughs> right. But it had to like. You know, if, 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 if I were Daniel, I'd say, okay, it's happening. You know what I mean? It is happening because there's always this, and maybe not, maybe not in Daniel's mind, but there's always like this little egging doubt in the back of my mind sometimes when I think something, you know, is supposed to go a certain way. And then it, I'm thinking, is it going to or it? Well, he, this is prophecy. You know, he's, he, he has stated that this is the way it's going to go. And, and then it does. And so now he has to, as he's considering these visions that you've been talking about, Bob, he has to think, well, there's a whole lot here I don't understand or know, but so far everything that, you know, God has said to me or, you know, or revealed to us has come true. So, but we, what we can do is we can, we can surmise from his prayer that follows what he suspects might be the That's case. Right. That's right. Because it's a pair, a prayer of repentance. Yeah. And, and, it's, it's actually an incredible prayer. I think I've added it up um, 20 times in it. Daniel identifies himself with his people by saying we or I are, you know, are some kind of inclusive pronoun. And then when you think of Daniel and who he was as a person um, and some of the things that are written in the Bible about him, you, you think of him as this spiritual giant. And yet here he is. He's praying this prayer of repentance, and he's, he's saying, we have, you know, we have done this. We have brought shame on you. It goes down through the whole list. It's something that's beautiful to read, and, and um, we'll look forward to, to looking at it. But at the end of it, we can see his great concern, 
in verse uh, 17, where he says, Now therefore, uh, our God, hear the prayer of your servant and his supplication for the Lord's sake. Cause your face to shine on your sanctuary and your desolation. He's saying, for your sake, God, don't 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 delay this this restoration of 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 this beautiful picture of your redemptive process, your sanctuary. For your sake, he prays for it, and 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 then he says, do not delay for your sake, my God, for your city, for your people, for your name. So his his great his great concern is he doesn't want to see a, a a delay of the restoration, and 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 that's the only thing he can he can think about this this this. 2300 days of extra in his mind probation that has been uh, assessed upon them because of of you know their sinfulness or whatever and he's he's praying this prayer of repentance and and is jealous for God's name and for his sanctuary and it's in that it's during that prayer that that now he re, he gets his next bit of instruction and of course who's bringing it again Gabriel yeah yeah, and this time he, I think he he has some understanding, and I I just I'm just going by the fact that after Gabriel's visit, he mourns for three weeks. He goes into mourning and he's fasting and he's, you know, he's praying and he's. But the it's the mourning part that yeah. is. At the at the end of chapter nine here, we don't have uh, a, a verse that says I didn't understand. I, right. in, in fact, at the beginning of chapter ten, he says I I now I do understand. So, so we, so we know this this vision of the seventy weeks ha, has some, somehow has been able to sort some things out in Daniel's mind, right? And I think we'll discover might maybe what that what what that is later. But so he basically understands a lot of these things in general, yeah. And so when it comes to him being told, okay, well, this stuff is going to be for the end, he, he's sad because it's like, well, I know this stuff is going to happen, but God's like, well, yeah, but you're not going to be in the thick of it. Well, I think he also understands what he misunderstood too, because because in Daniel's mind, when remember if we go all the way back to the beginning, the saints of the Most High in his mind were his people. Right. And what we what we understand is that we're, when we talk about the saints of the Most High, that that that's the people any anybody who. Um, Right, calls on the name calls of the Lord. Calls on the name of the yes, right. That 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 accepts by faith what God is offering them in Jesus Christ becomes a saint of the Most High. Something that Daniel didn't have a concept of, but eventually, uh, apparently, actually, kind of got. It may it may also be because there's been several references to there's been se- several references that were messianic in nature, and it may well be that Daniel's understanding of the Messiah has changed. Well, through yeah, this process well, as well. Absolutely, because that's that's exactly what this. Right. This passage is about. Ga- he says, Gabriel says, look, I'm, I'm here to give you now understanding of this 2300 right. day thing. That's what he's coming to give him understanding of. And within that context, he identifies the work and the, the, uh, the, the timing of, of the Messiah. So, so he, he's a lot like the disciples in, in, in that sense and in, uh, in thinking that there was a different kind of deliverance coming you know, through the Messiah that was spoken of all the way back to Genesis. Right. You know, and then he sees the Messiah in this context matching up to what we've seen previously. And we'll see again that, that um, Jesus came for a different reason. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So, so his th- understanding is being refined about who Messiah is and the purpose of this whole prophetic 
timeline that he's seeing. Right, exactly. Like Jeff said, just like the disciples, the, the thing that, the, the, that changed them from arguing the, uh, who is going to be to the greatest and coming together as one in the upper room was something significant happened in between. Jesus died on a cross. Mm-hmm. And when, when Daniel un- got that understanding of the Messiah's purpose through the revelation that comes, you know, that he's going to be in the midst of the week, he's going to be cut off. Um, he begins to get a, a perspective on, on what God is doing and planning in, in history. And one thing I really like here is though, is that, and, and we'll probably touch on this again, but I love the way that Gabriel comes to him. And before he says anything about explanation, he says, Daniel, you are greatly beloved. <laughs> and, and I think that, again, you know, as we're talking about uh, things that sometimes we can wrestle with in the scriptures, there's one thing that we can always be sure of. And that is that we can, we can have full assurance that, that God loves us. Because Amen. because of what he's what he has he has uh, sacrificed in order to to see that we have a the opportunity to be with him, and that's unchangeable. That's unshakable. We can't be shaken from that. And so we don't if we don't always get everything. That's okay. But one thing we can know is that God loves us, just as Daniel did. Amen. So how does this all culminate then? Well, so 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 from here we go to chapter ten, and again. Um, it's chapter 10 is basically the uh, Daniel outlining the next big vision. And this, this is a big vision. Now it goes uh, chapter 11 and 12. And it's this conflict between uh, the King of the North and the King of the South. Um, but he, he says before, before he even begins to, to relay the, the, the story of the vision to us, he goes in verse one in the third year of Cyrus. So again, now a few years later on, um, king of Persia, a message was revealed to me. Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, the message was true, but the appointed time was long, and he uh, he understood the message and had understanding of the vision. So what, he, what Daniel is saying there is, okay, when at this point in time, he not only understood what 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 this prophecy about the king in the north and the south was all about, that he finally had understanding of the stuff that he had had before come to him. And I understand this 2,300-day this uh, thing, and I understand what God is saying here in, in this message. That, that's that's, a, that's a, almost a complete turnaround. So this prophecy, though, what we want to you know particularly note about it is is that it covers a vast time frame because it says it, it's for the time of the end, and so we, and he's been and, and and that's actually what Daniel has been told uh, numerous times. And as we look at the prophecy, we can see where it begins. It begins in the, the in, in the third empire, and it, we can see where it ends in, in chapter twelve. It says at the time of the end. Okay, so 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 the prophecy extends over a, a huge. Uh, time frame. And then he says, at that time, Michael is going to stand up and he paints a picture of, of, uh, things. It's a, it's a brief picture, which is really expanded on the book of revelation of, of events that transpire at during the time of the end. Yeah. And one thing to note there is this, there's, he uses two phrases through chapter 12 and the difference, the two phrases are the time of the end and the end of days. Correct. And those are different things for Correct. us to consider as we move along. But 
both of them we have questions about to be answered. Right. And then the last part, the last, the very last part of chapter 12 is simply Daniel getting the instruction to seal up the book until the time of the end. And, you know, some other, some other prophetic time uh, signatures that, that we'll look at. But, but again, this, and, and then it says, as for you, Daniel, don't worry. You're not, this, it's not, it doesn't concern you. And I think it goes back to a point you made earlier on, Andrew, where like, you know, we're not always going to know or even experience all the things that God has planned out because it may not always be clear how his time uh, relates to ours. While it's, it's exciting to engage in this, we still have to, we have to be well grounded in the assurance that we have in the gospel of Jesus Christ and in our salvation and in the love of God for us and in the idea that he is a God who has a plan, that he's working out that plan, and within that plan, he has, a, he has, he has provided a mechanism by which we can be with him forever. Okay, so we know that when we take a look at prophecy, we can you know, we get a, a sense for who God is and His ability to foresee events. And I, I want to connect it more to okay, why would we want to communicate this to uh, people in ministry? You know, I'm trying to connect this all back to city ministry and and active uh, evangelism. And you know, so and we gave the reasons that oh, you know, we we can trust God and that His timing, but you know. Can you guys think of some other reasons why we would want to communicate this to people? You know, why is the book of Daniel important for urban ministry and evangelism? You know, people in the cities need to know that everything's going to end because the way we live our lives today is such that it, it, people, most people just think, well, tomorrow's going to come and the day after that, and it's going to go mm-hmm. on forever. And today, especially with people's move towards uh, secular humanism you know, or, or um, what, what is known as the nuns, where people are no longer professing Christ or, or God for that matter, uh, we have to bring before them the message of Jesus Christ and that it has an end. Ultimately, it comes to an end. It's a warning to the people who live in the cities or the people of the world. And it, not only is it a warning, verbal warning, it's also that, you know, it's one that has to be revealed in Christ's people as well. So these are important things. It wouldn't be first up on the docket as far as I'm concerned as we try to reach people who are unconverted. And, uh, but it does offer, uh, as you share the, the absolutes that we can understand in prophecy, it offers a concrete table to build on for them to see that God's in control. Yeah. And I think that in, in conjunction with that is that it's validation that the, that the Holy Scriptures are the Word of God. I mean, where else, how else could a book predict so accurately the events of history that are going to unfold over thousands of years of time unless there was, there was a being who, who had such a foreknowledge? And that, because, you know, people have options as far as what they're, you know, what canon of, uh, uh, of a belief uh, system that they might choose, but there's something special. Well, of course, as Christians, we believe that, that, that there's something special about the Word of God. That this is is actually the mind of God, somehow condensed into language that that us finite people can have a, a, a glimpse of what it's what He's all about. And so, it it, it, it the prophecy is validating in that way uh, of the authority of scriptures. That I think a lot of people need to need to see that along with answering some of those big questions in their minds. 
you know, about like, well, what, you know, you know, what is it, what is the meaning of life and why are we here and right. all that kind of stuff. What's my purpose. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's about it for today. So I want to thank you guys for joining us. Thanks to our listeners. Uh, I just want to, I want to say hi to all our friends listening around the world from the U S Australia, Brazil, Germany, France. Those are some of our more recent listeners. Hey, everybody from Pennsylvania, Texas, Maryland, California, Virginia. Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate you guys as listeners, uh, especially longtime listeners. So if you have any questions, if you have comments about the show, what we're doing here, please uh, get in contact with us through social media. We're on Facebook. Uh, just search for Adventist City Ministries. Same on Twitter. Uh, we're at the handle at the Ephesus model. So please send your comments and we would love to hear from you what you guys think. And as always, uh, please go over to iTunes and give us a review so everybody can know what we're up to. Thank you once again for joining us. I'm Andrew. I'm Jeff. And I'm Bob. God bless. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.